Last week, uh, Pastor Jordan shared with us uh, the heart of generosity. And when you came in this, this morning, you may have gotten this uh, gift card. And I want to tell you what this gift card's all about here in just a little while. Um, this could be for you, but really we have another plan for this. And, and so I'm going to talk to you about that as we get into this. But this is all about the heart of generosity. And so I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. And he was talking about how we're to be compelled, not by our own gumption, not by our own initiative, but literally by the Spirit of God in us, compelling us towards generosity towards others. Uh, we don't always realize what our generosity accomplishes. Uh, in, in, uh, I guess it's the last Sunday of the year or the first Sunday of the new year. I can't remember. One of those, we're doing church at home. I think it's the last Sunday of the year. It's, it's church, yeah, church at home. And we're going to go over all the ways the generosity, your generosity in this church has been impacting uh, not only our local community, but the nations. But today, uh, you know, we just want to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, you know, he was talking about this idea that as we hold our treasure and our finances, really less like this and more like this, more open-handed, that it's not only good for our soul, right? You ever made an idol out of something? Oh, it crushes your soul. It destroys you from the inside out, right? We don't want to make idols out of our finances, so we hold it open-handed. It's not only good for our soul, it's obedience to God, and it advances the mission of the kingdom of God. And, and certain people's generosity in this church, to me specifically, and my family, has been has made such an impact in our lives and at times where we couldn't see a way, where we, where we weren't sure that God could fill the gap or that, that we could fill the gap, God used the church body to fill the gap. And, and so I'm just thinking about how you guys are generous at times and don't even realize how it's literally building up faith in a people. When you show up, when you give of your treasure, and a lot of people don't just give of their treasure, they give of their talents, right, their gifts, Right? And they give of their time, which is what? The most, most valuable commodity that we have, right? And, and, and so many of you have been so faithful to give to the Defazios in so many different ways, and it has built us up in our holy faith. Your generosity makes a difference. It, it's impacting people. And I know so many of people that are in this auditorium right now that have a similar story about how someone else's generosity impacted them. There's generosity in this church making a difference in people's lives. And so we're going to, again, dive into week two of this mini-series. And today is called Generosity, a Willing People. A Willing People. And I want to jump into Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to find Jesus doing what Jesus does. Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And we'll take a moment and pray as we consider God's word. Father, we just thank you for your word that it is alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and that it pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit. Lord, speak to our soul by the power of your Holy Spirit. Make your word come alive to us today. Help it to change us and transform us. Let us see more of who Jesus is. Teach us today as, as the gospel is proclaimed by your word. Lord, I pray that healing even falls in this house today as we encounter your presence through your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And so we're going to learn about Jesus, some, some important things today. First thing that we're going to learn is that Jesus was willing to go to people. What is the first couple words that Jesus went. He went. 
he went. So he was going. Why, though? Because he was being about the father's business, right? God sent him. The father sent him. And so he's being dutiful, right? He's just, he's being obedient. That's a good reason to go. But he's also fulfilling the prophecies of the, the, the ancient prophets that gave to God's people that there'd be a Messiah who'd come and would do these things, right? Who would proclaim, who would heal, who would set the captives free, right? So he's being, he's being a fulfillment to those prophecies. But he wasn't just doing the work of the ministry in a dutiful way. Like sometimes we just work. Sometimes we just serve out of duty, we do it because it's the right thing to do. We think that's what will please God. We think that's what will make our God happy with us. And maybe, maybe even if we do our duty well enough that we can avoid some calamity in our life, right? As if our works can produce some sort of outcome that maybe, maybe God didn't have in mind himself. And, and, and I imagine that some of us might think about Jesus being kind of belabored, right? I guess I, guess I got to go and preach the gospel, Guess I, okay, I guess I got to heal you. Another person needing healing. I, okay, I got to strap up my sandals another day. I got to go walk and, and, and do the work of the ministry. I'm, I've got duties to attend to. But that's not Jesus. That wasn't Jesus' heart. He had what this scripture describes as compassion. In the most authentic way, Jesus was filled with that word represents this deep burden that's so deep in the guts that you're almost sick over it. He had this deep, authentic burden, this compassion for people that compelled him. And what he did was he willingly went, not just out of duty, but out of delight to be able to be used in the most powerful way to accomplish the Father's will to serve people, to seek and save the lost, like Pastor Casey was just talking about out of John chapter 10. He delighted to go to the one. And now God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Spirit is compelling us to do the same, to go to the one, to go to the one. Now, in our context, um, you know, I bet Jesus and his disciples didn't have to, you know, navigate make decisions about which way are we going to buy our groceries this week, right? Am I going to go in the store or am I going to do Walmart pickup? How many of you are my Walmart pickup people? Any, I'm a, we're Walmart pickup people, okay? Hey, look, first off, I'm not the one doing all the shopping. Amy is, and so we got to give her a break. She's got four kids in tow. Going in that store is tough. So there's a lot of good reasons to do Walmart pickup, right? Like, you know, convenience is a, is a factor. By the way, if you go do Walmart pickup in the rain with any lightning uh, in the vicinity, they will make you come in. We learned that yesterday. So I just, in case you didn't know that, you need to know that. It's reasonable. I mean, I get it, you know. And, uh, and so we're, we've got kids, and, and it's convenient to do Walmart pickup. And maybe we're tired because we're picking up on the way home from work, and we just want to get home. And, and then there's, of course, like, how many of you have seen the people of Walmart meme pages, right? And so, like, you have this imagery in your head of what you might encounter if you, if you step foot in Walmart, you're going to be encountered by somebody in their PJs where you can see their, well, you know, all the things you might see. Right? And so we have these images that, that say, well, I'm just going to do Walmart pickup. And what happens is uh, even if we decide to go in, 
right? Like, let's just say, let's just say it is raining outside and you got to go in. What happens is you're so set on getting the task done, getting your food, executing the list, right? I got to get home. I got to put the, the food on. I got kids pulling at, I got, I got all this, right? That we actually, even if we go in, go in in such a hurried fashion that we miss everything that's going on around us. We miss all the people that are in the place, and, and I'm just thinking about, um, I'm thinking about a recent experience I had where I went to a store uh, and I was, I was in the middle of a project and I had to go pick up some things. I was like, man, okay, you know, you know, sometimes you're doing projects and you're running back and forth to the store. Well, I'm on probably my second or third trip to the store at this point, picking up some things. And, I, you know, so I, what, you know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get in and get out, right? Because daddy got to get home and finish his project so I can kick my feet up on the couch because I'm exhausted. This was just uh, right before I hurt my ankles, probably about four months ago. And, uh, and, and I wound up in a conversation with a guy in one of the aisles in the store. And I'll be honest with you, I felt the Lord saying, talk to this guy. But I felt my flesh saying, you better hightail it out of here right now. You got to go. I'm literally holding things in my arm like, oh, nice to meet you. Let's talk. So I set this stuff down. I wound up in an hour conversation with this guy. And, and I get the guy's number. He gets my number. We're texting. The guy's in the church now. We're, we're having discipleship-level interaction now through text. He's curious. He's hungry. He's passionate. I believe he's gifted. He's called. And all it took was for me to reject what my flesh was telling me to do and accept and yield to what the Spirit was telling me to do. And I'm not talking about myself to build myself up. I'm telling you this from a place of humility. I didn't want to do it. And I relate to the temptation to not want to do it. I chose to do it in this situation, and it yielded great results, great fruit, because that's what God will do if we'll just allow ourselves to be used. We need to slow down and be where the people are. Going is always going to cost us something. Pastor Jordan talked last week about how it may cost us our treasure, like our finances. we got to give freely of our finances. I'm talking today even more specifically about giving of our talents, our gifts. I was able to use the, the gifts that are in me to minister to that young person there that I was standing with in that aisle and now using my gifts to, to build him up in his faith as we go on this journey together. We're becoming friends, and I'm able, to, I'm able to use the gifts that God's put in me to serve him. And it costs a lot of time, too. And we're tempted to, to bogart our time to, 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 what do you call Put, you know, put it in the storehouse. We store up your time. Save your time. You only get so much time. We need to save our time. And, and I get that. I do understand it. Believe me. We have to use wisdom here. But going costs something. And we see in Scripture that Jesus allowed himself to, to be charged. He paid the cost. He moved through the crowd slowly. He allowed himself to be accessible by the people. And while he didn't have a whole lot of finances, he didn't have, even have a place to lay his head, right? He did have the gifts, and he did have the time, and he gave it away. And so the question becomes, what does going look like in our lives? What does it look like in your life? It doesn't have to be some sensational thing. 
Like, don't get me wrong. I love our mission trips, and we should continue to do missions. I love our serve days, and we should continue to do serve days. We should continue to have these, these monuments, right, where, where it's like, okay, we're building towards a moment where we're going to be really intentional in our going. I think that's wonderful. But there's something to be said about just as you go being accessible in your daily life, being accessible to the people around you. And so we need to slow our hurried pace, right? Because we, we do live at a hurried pace. We're so busy. We fill our lives up with all these things, all these appointments, all these places we need to be, all these things we need to do. And what happens is we actually push all of our life out to the margins to where if God says, but hold up, I've got something else that I'm calling you to do. We don't have any space for God to reorient us, to redirect our steps because we've eaten up all of our margins in our own life. And so we do need to slow our hurried pace and begin to pray and ask God to burden us with compassion for people like Jesus was burdened with compassion for people and to help us be a willing and generous people when he shows us where he's sending us. As a matter of fact, what I want to do right now is I ask that question, what, what, what does going look like in your life? Why don't we just stop right now? Let's, let's not hurry through this. Let's seek the face of Jesus. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to counsel us right now. I'm, I want to just take a moment and pray for myself. You take a moment and pray for yourself, and I'll pray for us. Let, let's, let's seek God about what going might look like in our lives today. Father, speak to us. Where is it in our lives that we're so hurried that we have no space to hear you and to sense your gentle nudging towards something else other than what we had on our to-do list, other than what we had planned. God, is it in our family where we come home from work and we're so hurried and we're still on the phone when we walk in the door and we, we haven't decompressed so that we can give our families our very best and, and our kids get the worst of us and our, our spouses get the worst of us and we're so hurried, and, 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 and there's, there's sheep with need of shepherding right there in our own homes, Lord. And sometimes, sometimes we're just not present. There's no margin, and we miss it. Lord, is that where you're wanting us to double down and deepen our devotion and with compassion in our hearts? Is it, is it in the community? Is it in our workplace? As we serve for a paycheck and as we walk from place to place and go into the grocery stores and into the gym and in all the different areas where we find ourselves needing to be, Lord, is there, is there a need for us to slow our pace down like Jesus slowed his pace down so, so that person who's got the issue of blood can, can reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment and we could be used as a vessel to minister powerfully? Is that where? Lord, is it here in this church? God, where we're so hurried to get to our seat and save our seat and just sit there and wait on service to start. Or maybe we're just so hurried to get to the, to the people we love to meet with and love to talk to and, and we're so deep in that conversation that, that we miss those people who are literally sheep without a shepherd who are pouring in through these doors week in, week out, and we're stuck in a rut, Lord. Are we missing it? Help us to not miss it, Lord. Help us to have margin in our souls and, and the vision of heaven in our eyes so that we might see what you see and, and that we might go in our families, in this community, and even within the four walls of this church. In Jesus' name, we need your help. Amen.
Jesus, he was willing to go to people, and we must be too. Now, the second place, we, the, the second thing we learn about Jesus in those scriptures was that Jesus saw the greatest need of the people, right? And so, yeah, Jesus was faithful to the, be about the Father's business, right? And he was just serving, and he was meeting these very practical needs. Right? It's, good to, it's good to meet practical needs. It's, it's good to help, you know, cover that gap that might be in someone's life, like, Really, it makes a big difference, and, and we should keep doing that. I think Jesus did that as well. He healed people. He, he ministered to them in, in the most practical ways. But he was also filled with the word of truth and, and filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and so he has the truth, the well of truth to draw on, and the Spirit of God, the, his own Spirit, literally helping him discern in the moment what the need of the people were. And so Jesus saw the greatest need of the people, and now he, through his word and spirit, is, is giving us eyes to see the greatest needs of the people. And, and, and his spirit, his word, and it becomes a lens over our life to where we're like, man, yes, I want to meet these practical needs, but there's something deeper. There's, there's a deeper issue that I want to tend to here that Jesus would want to use me to tend to. What is the greatest need of the people? In John chapter 6, we see Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000. We love to refer to that, right? Because it's such a miraculous encounter. And we like, and I've heard testimonies of, of God literally doing things similarly on our missions trips. Terry, you've shared stories about God multiplying, I think it was clothes. And uh, there was a time where I think he multiplied medicine. And uh, I've heard a couple different testimonies about God doing things on mission trips. And, and so God, God does want to do a miracle to provide a, a practical need. And you know what he did? He multiplied loaves and fishes and he fed the people. He met their immediate need. Jesus did that, okay? But he also was discerning their deeper need. And in the same chapter, not long later, after he, I believe, walks on water, he says of himself, I'm the bread of life. He just gives everybody loaves of, and fishes and says, be nourished in your body. But then he says, I'm the bread of life. Be nourished in your soul. He saw the deeper need. So we want to serve, we want to give ourselves away and meet those practical needs, but if we do so and fail to remember that God wants to use us to meet those deeper needs, to point them to the bread of life, the one from whom all life flows, we might miss the point. And so as we pray and as we're moved with compassion, we want to view others through Christ's eyes, seeing people's greatest needs. You know, uh, there's a member at, here at Northwood Church, Ocean Springs, that I was talking to Thursday, I think it was, and we were chatting about uh, her experience just in some ministry exposure that she got. She just had a really fruitful experience and uh, just a wonderful time, and I'm going to spare the details just to, I didn't ask permission to share it, so I'm going to keep it super um, anonymous, but I had a wonderful time just growing over the last season. And uh, the Lord had burdened her with something. With, with, due to compassion in her heart rising up in her workspace, there was, don't get me wrong, it's, it's an overarching, you know, a good, good environment, a good uh, organization that she belongs to. But, but there was an unhealthy subculture 
that was wearing on her and she was concerned about it and she was seeing this need not only in these people but also this need as believers to gather the believers in her workspace and and to invite them to minister to the deepest need which was not necessarily conflict resolution not necessarily hey you need to you need to you know be nicer and you need to be kinder it was hey why don't we get together as believers and let's start praying together and believing that God can actually use us to impact this space and make a difference. And so instead of looking at those people who, who, who were what we would love to call toxic, right? Because it's easy to label people as toxic. Instead of calling those people toxic, she said, I see brokenness. I see desperation. I see, I see yes, I see some unhappy, <laughs> unholy people. But I also know what their need is. And it's not for me to go fixing them. It's to, to invite the one who's all-powerful, who can actually bring transformation to their lives into the conversation so that he can begin to do a work that only he can do. Do we see the greatest need of the people? There's a lot of people that are around us that are discouraged. Bless you. That are discouraged and they need encouragement, that are hopeless and they need hope. I talk to a lot of people in the community, and I'm going to tell you right now, every conversation I discern discouragement or hopelessness or fear. There's fearful people out there, and they need to know that Jesus' perfect love casts out all fear. And they're lost in darkness, and they need light in their life. And who does Jesus call to be light in this dark world? Us, the church, to be a city set on a hill that doesn't hide its light under a basket. We're to be a a lampstand in a dark and perverse generation so that people can see who Jesus is in us. I want to take a moment, and, and I want to pray about that. I want to pray for God to help us to discern that deepest greatest need in the people. Father, we need your help. There's people all around us in our homes. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's our children. Lord, we have people who who might be in situations where it's not their whole family that knows you. And, and there's, there's a tension in the home even because, because there's a Christian person in the home that wants their home to be a, a holy place that's sacred and set apart for your glory and for the good of that family. Yet, yet there's division and, and there's wayward children. Lord, I'm praying right now, God, that you would help us to see the greater need in those children's hearts, Lord. God, and that we would love them well, yes, and that we would serve them practically, yes. But, Lord, that we would see that they have a need for a Savior, They have a need for your spirit. They have a need for your truth, Lord. They have a need for for salvation, for healing. God, for, for hope to be brought to the hopeless, Lord. Help us to see even in our own homes, Lord, in the community. God, whether it's our workplace or in the places we frequent throughout the week, Lord. God, help us to remember that, yes, just because that person behind the register is unkind, doesn't mean that we need to be unkind in turn. It means that much more that we should be kinder, that we should have our hearts filled with compassion, knowing that that unkindness in that person's soul is usually due to a a brokenness in their lives, Lord. Help us have compassion for those people. God, even in this church, within these four walls, God, so many times we 
encounter conflict, Lord, and we forget that we are called to no longer view those who have confessed Jesus as Lord, to no longer view them according to the flesh, but to view them with the eyes of the Father, knowing that they're born again, new creations. Lord, let us stop seeing people's brokenness in the same way that we always have and being frustrated and weary and creating gaps and uh, uh, building up boundaries and walls because these people are, God, help us to, to minister to those greater needs. God, help us to remember that people coming in these doors every single Sunday, Lord, have, have a need for your presence and your healing and, and the hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, we need your eyes. We need wisdom. Help us in Jesus' name. You know, Jesus saw the greatest needs of the people, and we must too. In verse 37, it says this, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus comes, he's got the mission of the kingdom, which is like a pretty big deal, right? Like everybody knows like what Jesus is talking about like matters a lot, okay? We know that. Yet still he has to say you got to pray to the Lord of the harvest because there's a lot of people that don't want to do the work. Yeah, it's a big deal, but people don't want to work. I'm reminded of the Pareto principle. For those of you that have consumed any, you know, corporate leadership stuff, the Pareto principle is the 80-20 principle. That 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That apparently was true, not just today, but that's always been true. Really, in the kingdom, we're the upside-down kingdom, right? It should be 80% of the people doing, at least, at least, doing the work of the ministry, in the labor, laboring in the, in the harvest. And here's Jesus saying, yeah, but you're going to have to pray for it because people are people. And, and so here we are, and Jesus is sending us to people. You know, that, that idea of being sent, Jesus is sending us to people. That idea of being sent is, is, uh, comes from the word apostle, apostolos, that we would be sent ones, right? And, and some of you are like, well, I'm not an apostle. Am I sent? Probably not. I'm not an apostle. And then I'd be like, well, you're still sent. You're like, well, I'm not an evangelist. I don't have that gifting either. Well, are you not sent? Just because you're not an apostle, you're not an evangelist. Isn't it true that in Romans, Paul says, use whatever your gift is to go and serve in the body, to build up the body of believers, to make up for that which another lacks? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. That was just a matter of fact. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. Absolutely. Leave it up to my friend Pazana to bring the cold, hard facts. <laughs> and so we pray for direction because we're all sent and we need direction. We've been praying for that today. We're going to take a little more time to pray for that throughout the remainder of the service. But Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, we see Paul requesting prayer. Paul says, pray that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. He said, I'm in prison, and I need God to open up doors so I can share the gospel. Talk about a man who's got his priorities straight, right? We're over here trying to get our lawyers lined up and, you know, petitioning the governor. And he's like, I just want to preach. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. 
In verse 5, he says, now to, to those who are praying for him, in other words, hey, you've got a role in this, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. That's stewardship right there. That's one of our values here at Northwood Church. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So we pray for wisdom. We pray for discernment. Lord, help us. Open doors for us to bring the gospel to people and let us steward the moment. Take advantage of every moment that you give us, every divine appointment that you give us, and that we would speak with salt. Some words that are seasoned well, that, that are taste good to the hearer, that are true but are gracious you know, I think the prayer aspect here is, is the critical component. Are we praying for the people that are in this world that are desperate for the gospel of Jesus? Next year, we're going to have a huge prayer emphasis. I'm really excited about it. We're actually going to shift some things around. You're going to hear about that at church at home on the last week. I learned just a minute ago, it is the last week of December. We're going to be doing church at home, and um, you're going to hear some things that are shifting um, about trying to really create a space where more people can participate because we believe that God, Jesus himself, said that my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so we need to take that seriously and be diligent and devoted uh, to, to praying, to pursuing God through prayer. And we pray about a lot of these types of things in that space. Then there's like, you know, first Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, we'll be praying probably around some of these topics as well as a number of others. But, but at the end of this service, we're actually going to play a song. Uh, we're going to live stream Gulfport back in, and they're going to lead us in this song where it's called For the One, where we're, we're praying and asking God to give us hearts for the one, the, the one that's lost, the, the sheep without a shepherd, to give us compassion. We'll, we'll worship with thanksgiving because somebody saw us had compassion on our souls and brought to us the message of the gospel, but we want to do the same. And, and during that time, we'll have the prayer team here at the front of the auditorium where you can come and pray for that wayward child. Pray for that lost spouse. Pray for that lost coworker or whoever it is that's in your life that you're, you're wrestling with trying to figure out how to, how to love well, how to serve well. We're going to pray for God's glory. We're going to pray over our homes, over this community, and over this church for God's glory and the good of the people that hear his gospel. So we are going to pray for direction. Then we're going to pay the price. In Mark chapter 8, verse 35, is where we start. the Bible starts stepping on our toes. Y'all already feel it. Everybody tucking their feet up under the chair. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. It's the upside-down kingdom. I'm a bit of a survivalist. I'm, I'm a tactician. I've, I've, I've been studying for many years how to save my life, how to save your life. I love it. It's a hobby. But I can get so caught up in the idea of preserving my own life and preserving my own comfort, preserving my own security, and preserving my own, my own, my own fill-in-the-blank that I fail to remember that I'm called to give my life away for the sake of the gospel. And so we have this unhurried pace that, that we want to walk in, right? It's true. We want to walk with rest in our souls. We do need to probably create some boundaries around some things in our lives because we say yes to a lot of the wrong things. But 
But in building those boundaries and trying to create that margin and trying to walk in a rhythm of, of rest, there's, there's this cultural undertow in our society, especially with people in my generation where we've erected such firm boundaries that we actually fortify ourselves into a kingdom of selfishness. And we're no longer accessible by the world. Nobody can have my time. And I hold it like this. Yeah, we need to operate from a place of rest. Jesus wanted to operate from a place of rest. He went off to, to, the, to the mountaintop. He went off to the wilderness. Yeah, he got rest. He took that rest. He got quiet with the Father, got quiet with the Word, heard from the Holy Spirit. But you know what he did when that rest came back? He had an urgency to go back to the people. It wasn't just a rest because I got to keep my head above the water for the rest of my life because this is how to live. This, does this look like abundance to you? Does this look like thriving and flourishing to you? But we do that, and we never get to be used in the way that God intends to use us. We need a sense of urgency for the people that are in our lives, the people that are in our community, and we need to be willing to labor and sacrifice. And I thank those of you earlier that have been laboring and sacrificing of, of, of your lives. Man, I champion you. You guys are an example to me, to my children, and to all of the people's children in this room. We, we need examples of, of your faithfulness in the kingdom. But for those of us who haven't yet begun to give of ourselves at that level, to begin to sacrifice at that level, it may be time to give of your time, to give of your talent, your giftings. Pastor Jordan talked about our treasure I'm focused today on time and talent. You know, when you give away your time, when you give away your talent, those gifts, right? When you serve others practically, do you realize that it's a tangible way to express God's love? We're meeting practical needs, and meeting practical needs is a platform to minister to the greatest need. And as we discussed earlier, the greatest need is what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The power of God on the salvation that makes us born again. You know, I talked earlier about our teams. This is not a pitch. If now's not the time for you to serve, do not feel compelled to respond to this unless the Holy Spirit is convicting you. I'm not trying to compel you. I'm reminding you, though, that serving in those types of capacities is part of what the kingdom, kingdom people are called to. And it may seem institutional because it's organized, but if you go all the way back to the early church in the New Testament, they were doing the exact same things. They just might not have had sign-up sheets at a folding table in the back. And so, and so this is part of our response to, to create spaces to serve others where we learn and uh, to, to steward our gifts in those spaces, where we rise up in our leadership and our influence, but also to create a space like this where what happens, people's greatest needs can be ministered to. You know, people that we're serving on the teams today, our kids' ministry, our, our, our uh, hospitality department, they all met in that room over there. And you know what? People were praying together, being ministered to, receiving encouragement. They were being covered in the, in the spiritual realm. Warfare was being done. And you think it's just serving on a team. It's so much more than that, and it's powerful. Speaking of practical needs, I, I mentioned this gift card earlier. What does it say? It says, Jesus loves you, and so do we. And what's in it is, uh, is this, this gift card. 
And uh, really, that gift card is also hidden behind another card, which I don't, did we put these in here? Some of them, okay. And so underneath that, that's a gift card, okay? And what that, I think it's 20 bucks? 20 bucks, 20 buckaroos. And what that is, is this is an opportunity for you to bless someone. This is an opportunity for you, whether it's at Walmart, whether it's in the uh, school pickup line, whether it's at your PTO meeting, whether it's at the gym, whether it's right here and I don't, I don't know where it's at. Maybe it's you that needs this card. And if you need this card, put it in your pocket and take it and be blessed. As a matter of fact, come to me and talk to me if you need this card because I'd love to serve you in, in, in other ways. If you're, if you're hungry, if you have need, let me know. This church, we're for one another. Let's talk about it, please. So keep this if you need it. But otherwise, let's give this away. And this is a very practical way to serve people, okay? And, and, and as we give it to them, it's very simple. We say, look, look, you could give them a little gospel presentation if you got that. If you're gifted that way, great. But if, if you're not, you're like, I'm not an evangelist. You're, dude, I'm having an anxiety attack as you literally are talking about going and talking to people. Like, okay, cool, that's cool. It's very simple. Hey, look, God's been so kind to me. I just want to be kind to you. Look, Jesus loves you, and we do too. It's that simple. Please take this gift. And, and when they open it, you might have an opportunity to engage more meaningfully from there. You, might, you could tell them what's in it. Hey, that's 20 bucks on a car. Just do something with that, and, and please just be blessed. But also, there's an invitation on there. Hey, come to our Christmas Eve service or our Christmas Eve uh, series, our Christmas series, which starts next week. So you guys could use this this week to, to not only bless somebody practically, not only tell them that Jesus loves them, but you can also use it as a bridge between where that person's at and where God may want them to be, which is connecting with a local faith family in this room next Sunday as we point towards Jesus Christ in this Christmas season. Use these because meeting practical needs is a platform to minister to the greatest need. See, generosity opens up doors to share the gospel, and that brings us to the last thing. We're going we're gonna to pray for direction. We're going to pay the price, but then we're going to proclaim the gospel. You know, if you're not ready to proclaim the gospel when you give this card away or when you go bless someone in some other way, that's okay. That's something we can learn to do. That's something we grow in. That's, that's something that, that maybe you'll never do in the way that your neighbor will do that quite the same way. That, that's okay. But if you can get them into this space, they're going to hear the gospel. You get them around some friends at a table while you're drinking coffee together with some church friends, somebody there is going to be comfortable sharing that gospel with them. Man, we want to proclaim the gospel. Romans chapter 10 says this, How then will they call on him, in other words, for salvation, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Your feet are made beautiful in the eyes of God as you preach the gospel of Jesus in the most simple way by telling your story of what God has done for you. Man, he saved me and he loves me. And I'm not perfect, but he is. And he's, he's doing so many wonderful things in my life. And I'd just love to talk to you about it. There's a proclamation. Very simple all the way up to the most pristine, precise explanation of how Christ accomplished salvation, whatever that looks like for you. We proclaim it 
And there's great honor in carrying that gospel message and proclaiming that gospel message of salvation, and we should do it faithfully, and you don't have to be an apostle, and you don't have to be an evangelist or a pastor with a microphone. The question is, going all the way back to where we started, today's message is called Generosity, a Willing People. Are you a willing people? Jesus was willing. So we should be. I'd like to say we are willing. We are willing because it's worth it. Everything that we're doing, all the blood, sweat, tears, all the labor, you should have seen what setting up this building this morning looked like. It was easy in one moment, and then it was impossible in another. There was labor, and it's worth it. Yeah, you might get embarrassed when somebody rejects you in the, in the supermarket. Nah, I don't want that junk. Get that out of my, I don't, I don't have any. Okay, that's cool, man. I love you. I'm praying for you. That, that, that's labor. Yeah, it might take some, some, some hits. You, you might get bruised up a little bit. You, you might have to give more of yourself away than you're comfortable giving away. It might require sacrifice, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Because it's for the glory of God. And it's for the good, the flourishing, the salvation of the people that he is calling to know him.